Welcome to the Pure Parenthood podcast, brought to you by Pure Baby. I'm your host, Tiffany Wells, and I'm the head educator here at Pure Baby. Hi everyone, today I'll be chatting with Olivia Bates, who is the founder of Nourishing Bubs. She also has a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics and a Certificate in Paediatric Nutrition. Olivia has worked as a babysitter and nanny for 13 years, and she's also very passionate about infants and their health. Today's episode is all about introducing solids to your baby, plus other helpful nutritional information for the first 12 months of life. Thank you for coming on to share your expertise with us today, Olivia. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I'm so excited to be here and share what I know and what I've learned when it comes to introducing solids. Wonderful. It's great to have you. Um, it's been such a long time since I um, had my, my little babies <laughs> um, and since they started solids, so I'm sure so much has changed in that time. So let's get right into it today. I'm sure it's quite overwhelming for parents, I guess, trying to determine um, you know, whether their baby should start on solids and when. Um, what do you find when you speak to parents yourself? Like, Do you find that there's a lot of questions around that still? Yes, definitely. I think even more so now. Uh, There has been quite a few changes over the past 10 years. And as a result, I think parents are feeling particularly overwhelmed. Obviously, they're also often very sleep deprived at this point. And they're getting information often from their GP, their pediatrician, their mother, their mother-in-law, their friends, um, or even just a good old Google search. And so I think the information that they're getting from these various sources can be quite contradictory and confusing and so these poor parents who are already you know just trying to navigate those early early stages with their baby can find the whole thing quite overwhelming when really we want it to be as enjoyable and as easy as possible yeah for sure so I guess we will get started on and we'll start on when to introduce solids so this is something um, in particular where there has been quite a few changes and the changes have occurred over the past 10 years basically um around research that has come to light regarding allergens and when to introduce um, allergens. I guess part of this has been, you know, new research that has shown that, in fact, allergens shouldn't be held back from introduction and should actually be introduced in that um, first year of life. And so this has resulted in quite a few changes around when we should be introducing solids. We do now know definitely though breast milk or formula um, provide 100% of baby's nutritional needs up until around six months of age. And it is at that sort of six month age point when their requirements change. And in particular, it's their uh, requirements for iron and zinc, which are no longer able to be met by just having the breast milk or formula. So basically then we know that we need to start to implement introduce those complementary foods so that they then can help meet those um, iron requirements. Mm. Yeah, that's really important, I think, and um, really fantastic to know a bit more about that. Yeah, so basically the new recommendations state that we should be introducing solids around the six-month mark but not before four months and when your baby is showing these signs of readiness. And that four- to six-month window really coincides with what the World Health Organization recommends and is basically what we say is the ideal time. Um, We do say that if your baby is approaching seven months and really has shown no interest in starting solids and hasn't really hit what we consider to be the developmental stages, it is really important that you do check in with your paediatrician and make sure there's not something else going on because if they are not able to then get the additional zinc and the iron requirements, there can start to be some developmental delays as it's really crucial for the development of their brain in particular that they are getting that iron source. 
Um, we do also say that if possible, and you are still breastfeeding, that you do try to maintain breastfeeding during solid introduction, because there is some suggestion that it might have immunological benefits um, to have you breastfeeding while you do introduce those allergens in particular. Um, when it comes to allergens, as I said, this is what the main changes to the recommendations have been around. And basically the updated recommendations state that you should be introducing all of the allergens in the first 12 months. And basically before baby reaches that 11 months of age so that they basically get exposed to those allergens and are repeatedly exposed to it so that they can basically develop a tolerance to it and hopefully not develop an allergy to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, it's so much just has changed, really. Like, listening to all of this, it's um, it's really interesting for me, for sure. So, how do we know when the baby's ready? Really, I guess because you spoke a little bit about looking for cues and things, but you know, are there any key signs to look out for? Yes, sure. So we basically say that within that four to six month window, there are some real key signs that we are looking for. So the first one would definitely be that baby has developed some good head and neck control and the ability to sit upright when supported. So for example, you would put them in say a bumbo or a high chair um, and that they are able to sit there and actually hold their neck upright because if they aren't obviously and their neck is still quite floppy, it obviously represents a choking hazard. So that's definitely the big mm. key one. The next thing would be definitely showing an interest in food. So, for example, if you were eating dinner or your partner was eating dinner, you might notice them start to reach for your food or look particularly, um, I guess, intrigued by what you're doing. <laughs> and that is another um, sign that they are interested. They might also be reaching out for your food as if to, you know, give it to me. Yeah. Um, another thing would be, you know, them opening their mouth if you were to bring a spoon near it. So sort of being ready to take that first mouthful. Mm. Um, the, the other um, key thing that you'll notice is there'll be a gradual disappearance of what we call the tongue push extrusion reflex. And so that's basically where you might see, you know, when you first start solids, that baby ends up sort of just pushing their tongue out and um, pushing it around their mouth. And so the puree, for example, ends up all around their mouth and you don't think they've actually got <laughs> any in. But gradually that will start to disappear and they'll stop pushing their tongue out as much as they start to really swallow, develop a proper swallow and actually taking that food. Yeah, they're great cues. I do remember a lot of those actually now you're talking through and that's why I was laughing a bit. I was like, oh my goodness, it brings back so many memories for me actually. <laughs> what foods? Those ones haven't changed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what foods would you recommend to first introduce to a baby? I remember when I introduced solids to my children, it was all about the rice cereal. Um, and do you really have to give them rice cereal now or is that a bit of an old wives tale thing? Because that was definitely the way that things were for me back when I had my kids. Yeah, and so I think that's one of the areas, I guess, where people are really becoming quite overwhelmed, especially if they're speaking to, say, their parents or, you know, their mother-in-law. They're often the ones that are like, oh, are you going to start them on Farrix or start them on um, rice cereal? And that's something that obviously, you know, definitely our generation would have started on. And, you know, for you with your kids, you would have started on. And still to this day, a lot of people will still give rice cereal. Um, basically, it is really dictated by culture. And, you know, um, it's there's no real hard and fast rules when it comes to uh, what you need to start your baby on. Mm. Um, the thing with rice cereal, I guess, to know is that a rice cereal is fortified with iron. And obviously, I mentioned that, you know, one of the reasons that it's important to be starting baby on solids is that they are getting sources of iron because their breast milk and their formula can no longer meet uh, their increased requirements. And I guess just to touch on those increased requirements, baby basically goes from requiring 0.2 milligrams of iron in that first six months, but then 
that really jumps and actually jumps to 11 milligrams. So it's actually quite a huge, huge jump up there. And so we know that while breast milk or formula is formulated to to meet those 0.2 milligram requirements, it's definitely not formulated to meet that 11 milligram Mm. requirement. So Mm. that's where we're meant to be adding those complementary foods and a source of iron. And so one of the easiest ways, I guess, food manufacturers think to do it is just by fortifying something like rice rice cereal which acts as a really good vehicle to carry the rice cereal and can be a really easy option for parents however i will say you know there is absolutely no reason why you have to do rice cereal and if you for example you know your baby's reaching that six month point and you need to start um, offering some iron options definitely if you're going to give them things like you know beef and even if you're open to cooking something like liver these are all excellent sources of iron and have more iron than a fortified rice cereal for example Mm. and you might just you know um, naturally prefer to give them something that you would be otherwise cooking yourself anyway rather than giving them um, a fortified product but it really does you know rest in your hands and what's going to work um easiest for you as a parent and for your family yeah that's Um, really interesting try making your own cereal Mm, yeah, sorry to interject there. I was just sort of um, really realising that it, it can be a struggle to know what to give them. And I think when you spoke about um, sort of as you were preparing your own food, thinking about potentially mixing up some for them um, is a really great idea, a really great tip, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's the thing parents really need to know. It's not, you know, you don't want to always be having to make a separate meal for baby, obviously, you know, the format that they have it in those early days, you know, often having it in the puree form might seem, you know, quite quite daunting. But, you know, in many cases, you can just basically puree a little bit of what you're making or just, you know, pull a little bit of it out before you start to add seasoning and things like that for your family. So it shouldn't always be, you know, about, you know, buying separate baby food and making it extra hard for yourself. Ultimately, you're working to a point that by the time that they reach that one year of age, they're ultimately having a family meal. It shouldn't be a, a set. It doesn't need to be a separate meal and making extra work for you. So mm. I think the whole idea is just to make it as easy as possible for you and your family. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you mentioned some other some foods that you could potentially use um, or, or offer to your child. What are some other things that you think might be really beneficial? Other foods you mentioned, a bit of beef and liver. Are there some other things that you could take us through, other suggestions when it comes to, say, vegetables or other things? Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to iron and the best sources of iron, naturally it, the best sources are going to be, number one, liver is the the key the sort of gold standard i mean i personally think i'll find it really hard to cook liver myself and i know i'm sure some people feel the same way but if you are open to cooking it um and you think that maybe baby won't tolerate it just straight on its own you could always do a tiny bit of liver mixed into something like a beef mince um you know almost like a little bolognese but also other sources of meat poultry eggs, fish, they all contain some iron. Um, When it comes to different types of products, so we know that our um, animal products, so obviously our meat and our eggs, for example, um, contain what is considered a more bioavailable or more easy to to be absorbed source of iron, which is called heme iron, um, if you ever see people write about that. Um, But there are definitely vegetarian sources of iron. They are not as readily absorbed by the body, but they definitely um, can be a great 
great way to incorporate it in. Um, we just recommend that when it comes to um, vegetarian sources that you do consume it with a source of vitamin C. And so sources of vitamin C in general, most fruit and vegetables contain vitamin C. And so some of those um, vegetable sources of iron include things like your dark leafy greens, um, you know, spinach, broccoli, are, are good sources, as well as things like legumes. So we're talking about, you know, chickpeas and navy beans and lentils, things like that, which are also other good sources. And so if you combine um, something like a lentil with say, um, you know, pumpkin or a, another um, well-tolerated vegetable, something like that can, combines the source of iron with the source of vitamin C. And that vitamin C will help increase the absorption level in baby's body. So I definitely think it's important not to think, oh, I have to be feeding my baby, you know, liver every single day. That's definitely not necessary. But just making sure you are trying to offer a variety and where possible trying to offer those heme sources. So those animal sources of iron yeah that makes so much sense it's so good to have a list of ideas to introduce to your baby as well like different foods to introduce because it can be really tricky to work that out and if you're not typically having some of those foods it's good to have lots of different suggestions so you keep mentioning a lot about iron and what the baby needs um, in that first six months or the, the up into the first six months of age why is it so important i know we've touched on it a little bit but if you could go through a bit more detail around the iron so everyone understands and i understand better myself too just around um why iron plays such a huge part in the in the in the body i guess and development of of the child Yes, absolutely. So I guess, you know, iron is the one that we do really harp on about and that is why the introduction of solids is so important, but it just plays such a key role in baby's growth and development. In particular, it is responsible for transporting the oxygen around the body to all of the organs. So we want them to all um, remain, you know, well oxygenated so that they are functioning at their best. It's also involved in, so those normal growth and development processes and in particular in the brain development. That's why we do find in children that um, we find have um, iron deficiencies, you, it often actually gets picked up because there might be some de delay in meeting their, um, I guess, educational milestones. That's how it often often gets picked up. Um, another thing it's involved in is manufacturing energy. So, for example, even in adults, you might know that if yourself or someone you know has ever been ever found themselves being particularly lethargic or tired, the first thing that your doctor will ever test for is an iron deficiency. Mm. And the reason is that you could be eating plenty of energy and, you know, meeting your energy requirements. But if your body is not actually able to utilize that energy, then it's almost like de defunct, I guess, in a way. Mm. And so um, your body actually requires the iron to utilize the energy it's taking in. And it's exactly the same with babies. So if they notice that baby is quite lethargic, they again might consider testing um, testing for an iron deficiency. Um, the other thing that's also obviously very important is that it's involved in the production of the happy hormones. And obviously, you know, we want a happy baby. So um, we definitely want to make sure that they are getting enough because it's involved in that serotonin and dopamine production and releasing those hormones so that we have a happy, joyful little baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what we all want. And I know myself and, and my kids over over the years have had issues with um, with iron deficiency just here and there. And yeah, that totally makes sense that that would be the same thing happening with your baby. So um, that's really interesting. Thanks so much. So what are some of the best tips to, to have um, your baby accept solids? Because I think that's something, again, that we all want um, them to accept them when you do offer them, obviously. So, you know, we want, we want them to be able to transition from going from breast 
breast milk and formula to taking on that that new change, that um, that food that they're going to have to start getting used to. So do you have some tips around that? Absolutely. So obviously it is a really, you know, new change and a completely different food for them going from having the breast milk or formula then to having solid foods, which have a completely different makeup depending on what they are. Obviously, you know, things like your vegetables, um, you know, might just be, you know, carbohydrates and vitamins and minerals, whereas you also have your proteins, etc. And the way that they get digest digested and processed in the body will be quite different. So it is, it, it is a big thing for them to take on, but also for you. But I guess, you know, hopefully some of these tips will help make it as easy and enjoyable as possible. So I guess the first thing that I always say to people, and I really can't encourage this enough, is to make sure that you introduce solids in a really positive and happy environment. And part of this might be, so for example, if you've been up all night, baby hasn't slept well, you're just feeling really exhausted and tired that day, it's just not the day to start solids. And the reason is that babies can really pick up on your mood and how how you're feeling and how you're reacting to them. And so if they perceive that you're quite frustrated or anxious or overwhelmed, they can almost create, well, they can create an association between feeding time and mum or dad's mood mm. and so we really obviously don't want to create any anxiety or negative connotations with that feeding time so it's that positive environment that I really can't encourage enough and really fostering the enjoyment of starting solids mm. the next thing um, is uh, that I'm a really big advocate of is offering vegetables before fruit and part of this is because um, and you know there are no um, long-term studies at this point that actually you know show show prove that having vegetables before fruit is crucial but there are studies that really show it is what you are giving your baby in that you know those first initial months and even during pregnancy that can really dictate their taste preferences um, into adult life and so we want to be basically fostering and encourage an enjoyment of vegetables and those more savory tastes. Baby is going from having um, breast milk or formula, which is naturally quite sweet itself. Um, so you then want to get them used to having more savory options. So it's best to offer almost start with something like a more flavor neutral vegetable. I always recommend something like a pumpkin is quite good. Zucchini, cauliflower, they can be quite good options because they're not particularly sweet or savory then you might want to move to more savory vegetables so something like broccoli which can be a little bit more bitter and then move to your sweeter sweeter vegetables and then onto your fruit and it's just about encouraging as baby to get used to as many vegetables as they can before you move to those sweeter foods because we know that from the stats and even the most up-to-date um, nutrition studies have shown that you know only around six percent of children are getting enough vegetables and are hitting five serves a day it's, it's where we're really um lacking and you know obviously we then see it in you know growing adults that are getting obese etc so mm. we really want to create as much of an enjoyment around vegetables as we can and i think one of the best ways to do this is by starting on veggies before fruit yeah great idea um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, the next thing is just to make sure you're offering age appropriate food. And so, you know, remember when babies start solids, um, most of them won't have any teeth. So um, offering a smooth puree is always the best option. So they're going from having just a liquid form. So even quite a liquidy um, puree will be the best option. If you find that, for example, you're making some purees at home, um, some of them might be thicker than others, depending on the water, the natural water content of that fruit or vegetable. And so you might need to thin it out a little bit. And this um, 
is often best done with something like breast milk or formula, which babies are already quite familiar with. So if you add a little bit of that and you can thin out that um, puree, just it'll also help to increase that familiarity with it when they're starting out. Mm. Um, it is, though, important, though, to make sure that as baby gets into their process of having solids that you do start to develop the texture so you know don't remain on um, a smooth textured textured puree for say three months because developing upper resistance in the puree is actually involved in baby's oral development and their speech development as well so we basically say they'd stay on say a smooth puree for approximately approximately a month and then you'll start to add a bit of resistance whether that's making it slightly lumpier in terms of not pureeing it as much or adding things like you know quinoa or a grain and adding that into a smooth puree to help add a little bit of texture to it is also another way yeah great um the next thing is also just remember to be persistent and patient and i (laughs) i can't encourage this enough obviously when you're first starting out it can be quite a slow burn We generally recommend trying things one at a time just to help watch for allergies um, and usually doing a new food for two to three days um, and some people do it even more. So you might do, you know, start on pumpkin, for example, and do pumpkin day one, pumpkin day two. And then on day three, you might mix pumpkin with, say, cauliflower because by then you'll know that baby is familiar with the pumpkin. Um, So if there was any reaction, it's potentially from the broccoli. Um, so it is important that you are trying it, you know, one at a time. And obviously initially in that first month, it will be quite slow, but it will get faster and you'll obviously work out, you know, things are all going quite fine. There's no issues. Whereas, you know, for some people where they might pick up some kind of intolerance or allergy, they might be particularly slow and more diligent with one at a time. Yeah. Makes you'll, sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you work out what works for your baby and what's the best way to handle it. And, you know, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. It It really is about you and your baby and what's going to work best. Mm. Um, I guess another tip is remember it's a messy affair. (laughs) So I always recommend like a bib, a splash mat. So you can get like mats that you basically put underneath the high chair and it can help contain the mat, which can be really, contain the mess, sorry, which can be really good. So you can just throw that in the wash afterwards. Um, High chair obviously is also really good good um you might want to start with something more like a bumbo and then move to a high chair and just make sure when it comes to getting your high chair that it has a um a foot rest because it's really important that baby's able to rest their feet so that they don't have to basically use their core core strength to try and um keep them stabilized in the chair um so that's a really important thing and then also you can even consider something like a smock like where you put it underneath the bib and it covers their whole arms um you know depending what they're eating things like beetroot for example you might want to go all out or as we are right now coming into summer you might just go baby goes nude for meal times whatever works best for you um but some things obviously get particularly messy yeah <laughs> Um, the next thing would be just to make sure that once baby does get into, you know, the the real, I guess, run of um, eating solids and they're gaining good momentum with it, just to make sure that you start to offer a range of foods and then, you know, between food groups as well. So, you know, not always, for example, being giving them pumpkin and chicken, say, making sure you're giving different vegetables, different coloured vegetables, different meats, different types of meats, cuts of meats. It's really important because obviously each of these has a different nutrient profile. Each of the different fruit and vegetables, for example, each colour tends to associate with a different um, nutrient that they have in them. 
carrots and pumpkin and sweet potato, for example, that are all that orange hue, they're all particularly rich in vitamin A, which is really good for baby's eye development. So that's just one, I guess, example, but it is really important to make sure you are covering different different food groups and different foods within those those food groups yeah that's really good to know and point out i think because it can you can get in a bit of a rut with what you're offering your baby sometimes or you know you you might forget that there's these other things that you could potentially be introducing yeah definitely and i think that's also where like the freezer becomes your best friend like you can try a whole lot of different things and sort of you know pick and pick and choose you know you might do a cube of pumpkin and a tube cube of beetroot one night and then the next night do cauliflower and broccoli or whatever and just have some batches on hand or whatever works for you but just so you can mix and match them and not feel like oh well I don't want to be you know making a batch of this one night and then next night you don't want to be cooking every night for example because it can be quite overwhelming yeah definitely um avoid shelf stable options where possible obviously as a dietitian the founder of baby food company this is probably no surprise um but the thing with shelf stable baby options is many of them um, obviously, most of them are heat treated or to be sitting on the shelf, they do have to be heat treated. And a lot of the nutrients in them that we want to be getting into baby are actually sensitive to heat. So you end up losing quite a lot of them, which we definitely don't want. Also, often ones that say that they're, you know, high in um, protein, for example, often only have around 5 to 10% of a meat in them anyway. And they also, also often have, you know, water in them and fillers and things like that. So just, you know, be really careful if you are, you know, occasionally opting to use a shelf-stable option. I do really encourage you to make sure you read the back really carefully and know actually what's in it. It's really important with little babies to make sure that we are making each mouthful count. And so we want it to be, you know, high nutritional quality, you know, mouthful that we are giving to our babies. Mm. Um, the next thing is just to make sure that when you are introducing a new food is to make sure that you introduce it in the mid morning or just after the, usually just after they have had a um, nap. So their morning sleep, for example. And the reason is that you want them to be awake for around two hours to watch for any adverse reactions. If there is going to be an allergic reaction, that will happen within five five minutes to two hours so you want to be able to obviously be observing them quite closely obviously if you then put them down for sleep you although you can probably see through a monitor you're not watching them as closely um also if it's more of an intolerance like for example you know things like cauliflower broccoli might make baby a little bit gassy you'd prefer for that to pass pass through them during the day rather than you know disrupt their sleep for example so it is important to try try new foods in the first half of the day and just watch for watch for any any adverse reactions that might take place obviously once you've tried it with them um, and know that there's no issue you can then start to introduce it as a nighttime meal but I always recommend making that um, first solid meal that you you start on make it in the first half of the day the next thing is just when you do start solids you can actually start um, using just like a very a clean little finger the reason is obviously that um, babies if they're breast breastfeeding are familiar with you know body temperature and the nipple um, or if they're drinking from a bottle obviously the shape of the the, the teat on the bottle represents the nipple so you know a little finger is quite familiar for them and is that nice temperature for them then just um, once you've moved on from giving a little finger with puree you would then move on to just a little spoon just make sure that it has a little shallow bowl and use one of those silicon edge spoons and not a metal spoon and the reason is that the 
um, the spoon picks, if you use a metal spoon, for example, it will pick up the temperature of the food. So if the food was heated up a little bit, it can become quite hot. Um, and it also quite, it creates quite a weird sensation on baby's tongue. So, you know, we want them just to be taking the food for what it is and not to be distracted by the feelings of the actual spoon that mm. they're using. Mm. The final point to cover is to remember that when you do start solids, not to be concerned about how much or how little that baby is eating. Basically, we know that some babies might start off and gobble food straight away, whereas others might only take five to 10 mils, so basically one to two teaspoons, and it can take up to even six weeks for them to have around half the cup. So don't be too concerned. Don't compare with the mothers in your mother's group, for example. Just let your baby go at their own pace. Um, particularly if you start your baby on solids closer to the four-month mark, you might find it takes a little bit longer for them to build up to taking more just because they don't have those hunger levels yet. Yeah, I think that's really great to, to sort of be aware of those things. I think that when you hear a lot of what other people are doing or and you start to question yourself too much, I think that that's when some problems can come into it or into your mind at least. So that's really great advice. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, um, you know, it's really important for um, parents to try and be relaxed as possible and try not, obviously, I think we do have a natural tendency to go, oh, what's your baby doing, especially in a mother's group where they're all approximately the same age. So you can have expectations based on what's going on in the mother's group. Mm. But, you know, each child does develop at a slightly different rate. And, you know, you don't want to be, don't be too um, worried about what's happening in the group. Just make sure, you know, you're comfortable with where your baby's at. I think, you know, a mother and also a father's intuition and what you feel about your baby is often, you know, really spot on. And if you feel like there's something wrong, maybe there is. And then check with the doctor and don't, you know, don't worry too much about what is happening with, just other people with the same age babies can, because it can vary quite greatly. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on, Olivia. It's been really, really interesting. I'm sure that everyone has um, taken something away, so a helpful tip or two to assist with introducing solids for their little ones. So thank you so much. You clearly have had a lot of, um, you know, I guess knowledge built over the years and you have a lot of passion, um, you know, in nutrition from what you've spoken about today and a real interest in, in looking after little ones and their, and their nutrition. So thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and insight today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. It's so nice to share something that I am so passionate about and hopefully make it a little bit easier because I think, you know, sometimes these poor parents are so overwhelmed and really it should be a really enjoyable and exciting milestone for both them and their babies. So hopefully those tips do make it a little bit more that way. Yeah, thank you so much. For more information about baby nutrition, you can visit www.nourishingbubs.com or follow them on Instagram at nourishingbubs. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. I hope you found this helpful. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast. And if you'd like listening, please leave us a review. See you next time.